0: Christmas or non-denominational festival of your choosing. Yeah, it's the traditional
1: annual Ranked Cast non-denominational winter festival of your own choosing special. Woohoo, it's uh, catchy. Uh, imagine sleigh bells are playing here, or maybe Tom's put some sleigh
0: bells in, who knows. I, I, yeah, he's uh, Mr. Special Effects. He is. Uh, I've been listening on, uh, I have uh, a regular Sunday night drive, uh, we are recording on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, I have been listening to Bloodshot Records' sad Christmas playlist, which is awesome. <laughs> I, I'm not one for Christmas cheer, so this is good. I, the, Including some absolute bangers by Johnny Cash and John Denver. The funny
1: thing about this is, just before we started recording, I was literally listening to the cheeriest, cheesiest Christmas songs you can imagine. In We are so on brand
0: right now, Ed. Yeah, I can, I can just about stand the Christmas tree. Right. But, uh... Doesn't, doesn't just about doesn't having kids like change it for you? Don't you, doesn't the little magical looks on their faces kind of you know bring some? Do you know Christmas how long cheer? that magical looks? Look like? I mean that that's in films. The magical <laughs> look lasts about three seconds until they go. Oh, I didn't want the lightsaber in red. I wanted it in blue. <laughs> and then proceed to throw all their toys at the window. I never did that as a child. I was always grateful for my Christmas presents. Good. Little b- that they are anyway. No, I'm sure they'll. Be magically loving it and all of that. Yeah. Um, How so, about the football? Has that been magical? Uh Well, I didn't
1: watch the bronze screen. Sorry, you I meant to, to, I meant to catch up with some of it before we recorded the podcast. And Then I remembered about three minutes ago. Oh yeah, I didn't watch that. I saw the goal.
0: That's it. Oh, and Rashford. Oh, the brass man United. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, yeah, it, uh, it was. It was kind of. Fr- I mean, I'd say it's frustrating, but it's not like United were brilliant or anything. In fact, like Bournemouth created a whole ton of chances. I'd, I'd say probably De Gea was man of the match, which would tell you something about the game, although not all of the story. This wasn't United on the back foot and and uh, Bournemouth having thirty one shots or whatever it was at Arsenal the other week, uh, but they created some good chances and De Gea had to make a, a couple of smart saves. Um, had to make quite a few saves, and United were just just pretty lethargic. You know, I think it was two shots on target in total in the whole game. Yeah, a lot of possession, uh, a lot of possession in areas that didn't really hurt Bournemouth uh, very much at all. Um, so it was one of those games. You're like, phew, um, bad performance, got away with it. It's just there's quite a lot of those these days. How was Luke Shaw? I heard he was good. Yeah, he he was all right. You know, I, I'm not much the same as the CSKA game. I am not suddenly going to turn him from, um, you know, no hoper to uh, world beater. Uh, but it was another solid performance from him. Um, he didn't make the team for the weekend game. Mm hmm. Uh, which he might have felt, um, you know, a bit unfortunate, given that he's a natural left back and he does get forward, and uh, he has all the re- requisite qualities, and he's put in two decent performances since he's um, made it into the team over the last, past couple of weeks. So, bit unfortunate for him there, but um, good performance against Bournemouth. I, I hope he gets some more, but it doesn't really feel like it at the moment, but. Uh, you know a couple in the
1: last couple of weeks, yeah. And I guess it's a big deal that one of those was in the Premier League, um, because you know, Mourinho's kind of obsessed with making all his rotation outside of the Premier League
0: a lot of the time with his really fringe players. So, years ago, he made some changes for this Bournemouth game, didn't he? You know, he brought McTominay into central midfield, yeah, dropped under Herrera, uh, and McTominay was very good. I mean, in fact. Every time he's played, he's he's a non-spectacular player, isn't he? But he's just uh, he just seems to be very mature in possession of the ball. Gets into the right places. Um, uh, he's very smart with uh, his use of the ball as well. I think he 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 actually makes runs ahead of it as well. So he's not just a water carrier in there. Uh, you know, he just seems very mature and intelligent for a young player, although he's not super super young um, uh, in that position feels like he's got a good future ahead of him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought he was really good when he came on um, today against West Brom as well. Uh, I thought we we actually sort of started to look a bit more assured once he'd he'd come on. Um, That was like during West Brom's little good period. Chris Vokes from Goal.com was sat next to me at at that game and he made the point that McTominay's really late growth spurt might have helped him because he sort of had to train himself as a kind of non-physical midfielder you know he he had to kind of learn the game as a sort of smaller than the rest kind of or very average size midfielder and and kind of learn the reading of the game and all the kind of stuff you have to do to make up for being a bit small physically and now he's also kind of grown a load which which adds another dimension so i thought that
0: was an interesting yeah, analysis it's, it's fair enough although he actually he became a midfielder quite late as well right um so he spent spent some of his youth career as a forward right um but uh, yes, yeah, so he's done, you know. He's Brian McClare, Mark II, isn't he? <laughs> he's come a lot
1: younger, the move back into midfield than it did for old yeah. Jockey.
0: Um, elsewhere, I mean, I thought Matic was solid in midfield. You couldn't really give any of the forwards too much credit. I mean, Lukaku scored, which is good. Rashford hit that absolutely amazing shot off the bar. Rashford hit the screamo, so unlucky. I mean, three inches low and it's, it's in off the bar. Uh, It would have been absolute worldy. And I thought Lukaku was all right. It was a a better performance. He he was involved in the game a lot. Um, uh, Got the goal, didn't celebrate, which was interesting. Uh, Mata was okay too, obviously the assist for him. uh, Everyone at the back was solid, sure good. Uh, Jones and Smalling, um, uh, much criticised, but uh, very solid. Well, solid-ish, you know, although... Bournemouth were very good at breaking from midfield and creating chances. Um, you know, it's all round, it was okay performance, but a little bit flat. Um, which brings us on
1: to West Brom then. And uh, a game in which I thought Chris Morning, I've been very critical of, uh, was excellent in that game. I thought Chris Morning had a, had a pretty fantastic game, uh, really. And in the first half, I thought United were excellent. Had 60 something percent possession in that first half. up, another goal for Lukaku, didn't really celebrate, but uh, I think there's an awful lot being made of that. And um, some of it has got a slightly unpleasant tone, as always, when discussion about Lukaku. Um, But yeah, and then Lingard scored and happy days. And then United got super complacent, let West Brom back into it. and. kind of like, you know, that half first half an hour. What well, you said on Twitter, I think it was all very Louis Van Marino ish or Jose Vangalio or something.
0: Um, yeah, i yeah, I mean it was. Um just a, a, yeah, the possession um was there in the second half, I guess, but the pace went completely out of United's game. Um they seemed to get about ten yards deeper, especially in the last fifteen minutes or so. And uh, just the lack, the lack of oomph was significant. Um, I'm not sure that the substitutions helped particularly United. You know,
1: I think M- um, McTominay for McTominay coming on for Lingard. I think that really did solidify United, and we we kind of looked. We weren't. There wasn't anything that happened after that where they were in danger. I don't think. No,
0: I mean it's a classic Mourinho substitution that one. I mean R- Rashford Martial. That's you know. Whatever they, we've got two great players there, and and Mourinho uh, only uses one uh, magically. Um, McTominay for Lingard, yes, it gave United extra body in midfield. Uh, but classic Mourinho substitution, isn't it? Let's see this one out. Um, and I guess Rojo came on for his inevitable yellow card for Valencia <laughs> late on. Uh, nearly sliced one into his net it, as well. It
1: wasn't that late on, actually, was it? It was that was Valencia went down injured, so that uh, with a hamstring, and that looks a bit looked he was certainly limping and then Young went to right back Valencia I mean Rocco went to left back and you just you just don't want Rocco left back ever
0: yeah um, you only want him in uh, central back central back central back I've invented a new term uh, centre back occasionally or when he's on it yeah um, <laughs> I mean he would have been an absolute classic if he put that one into his own net for two all <laughs> Um, I mean, it felt like it was coming at some point. It kind of did. You know, and like, uh, I I think, as I said on Twitter, you know, it will be 100% United's fault if if they concede an equaliser there. Uh, Some people uh, commented on my dodgy maths. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, But the extent to which West Brom got back into that game, I think, was significantly down to United's mentality in that second half.
1: Yeah, and I asked Mourinho about the collective psyche of the team. Um, I think we can hear that clip now. What do you make of uh, the team's kind of collective psychology at the moment? Because um, it almost seems like when things are going well, they look really fluid, delighted, but when things get tricky, they do start to look a bit nervous from an untrained eye. What do you think of their collective psyche at the moment?
2: Complicated question, complicated answer. Uh, Intelligent question, honestly. But um, the only thing I can say is that human beings, it's as simple as that. And if you try like we did, probably based on my my experience, probably based on my personality, when my team is winning, keeps uh, an emotional balance and we don't do uh, circus, uh, also, when we are losing, when we are in in a not happy uh, moment, we try not to be depressed. We try to keep our our balance. So, I think it's important. But at the same time, human beings, of course, happiness and happiness they play a part in um, in performances and results. Oh, oh, that was an uh, interesting clip. Hmm,
0: Yeah, wonder why I chose to include that in the show. Well, I wonder why. I wonder. I, I thought Mourinho was probably in his sort of acerbic, uh, you know, sarcastic phase, especially when he said something about the questioner being intelligent. <laughs> um, that's my last ever press conference, and I, I thought, yeah, that's going out with a bang. That was good. I mean, I've got to say, it was it was better than the time that you almost wet yourself when uh, when you asked Van Halen question. That was not the best moment of my career.
1: (laughs) But the thing is, I was sat in the front row and he looked right at me and I just wasn't expecting it, Ed. I just was not expecting it. Uh, For newer listeners, I asked Louis van Gaal once why United was struggling so much to break down teams because he kept talking about how we were struggling to play in the last 20 metres. And I asked him why and he looked at me and went, why do you think it was? (laughs) And I just giggled nervously and said, I don't know when in my head, I was thinking it's because you don't allow any of the midfielders to get ahead of the ball. Um, but yeah, not my finest hour, but that last one, that was pretty, pretty good fun. And I was, I was, Mm. I must confess that one of the reasons I would make a terrible journalist is I was very excited when Jose Mourinho called my question intelligent
0: Talking to Louis, did, did we talk about the fact that Louis has been talking about Jose in the past week or so? Uh,
1: no, we didn't. We recorded before, well, in fact, we recorded before a great deal of the aftermath of the City game, which I guess we should mm. at least touch on. Um,
0: yeah, well, I mean, Louis first. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, he's got some biscuits, hasn't he, <laughs> Louis? Wow. Famously. I mean, I mean, like, you know, if it was anyone else, like if it was... Pep Guardiola, or if it's Kevin Keegan, and said, oh, Mourinho's football's a bit boring, but Louis van (laughs) Gaal. The thing is, he said said this
1: two-sentence thing. He said, I would prefer to watch Manchester City than Manchester United, because they play better football. And you're like, okay, well, actually from a kind of completely impartial, neutral view. I can completely understand that point of view. But then he said, my United was always attacking. That's why every other team parked the bus against us. It's like, no, Louis, your team was always passing the ball to each other sideways, which why two banks of four was 100% successful against you. And we played the most boring to watch football. Any Man United fan that doesn't remember Dave Sexton has ever seen.
0: Yeah. Special. Yeah. It was not. No. Um, yeah, the aftermath of City, uh, because all the stuff about the tunnel fight came out afterwards. We didn't discuss it on last week's pod, but that was quite entertaining, wasn't it, the fallout from all of that? Although I've got to say, this kind of snidey, snarky Mourinho is, is the Mourinho I really do not like. This is not the funny, charming, you know, one-liner, put-down-the-opposition-manager Mourinho I mean, it was like, basically, City have over-celebrated because they've got a film crew in there. So after every victory now, they have some kind of celebration picture like they've won the title. Well, I you know, thought that United... Because it's had, a narrative for the, the Amazon studios who are filming them.
1: I thought United had kids. denied access to the Amazon film crew.
0: They denied access to their dressing room. Right. Not to City's dressing room.
1: Oh, okay. Room. I'm slightly saddened that we just didn't say, no, you can't, we've made an exclusive deal with Netflix, so you're not coming <laughs> in here.
0: Um, yeah. So, I mean, this is why it's, I mean, this is a really kind of small club, but I have to say um, <laughs> Mourinho's response was a bit small club as well. A bit? Like, what's wrong with him? Jose Mourinho, literally at the
1: scene of the place that he ran half the length of the pitch and did a a knee slide, like, as opposition manager when he won a game, complaining about other people over-celebrating. If City celebrated like they won the league after that game, that's because they basically won the league after that game. Obviously, it's not technically over, but just like we all knew we'd won the league when Robin Van Persie hit that free kick-in against um, that thought, uh, courtesy of Darren Richman, um, friend of the show, um, but we all knew that we'd won the league when Van Persie scored at the Etihad and made it 3-2. That was December. Everyone knows City won the league that day, you know. So, yeah, of course they're going to go absolutely crazy. They should go absolutely crazy, even if they weren't going to win the league. They've just beaten their biggest rivals at their place and looked really good doing it. Of course they're going to overcelebrate. For Mourinho to go into their dressing room and go, turn the music down, have some respect, it's a bit rich.
0: Yeah, it, it it is. And he can't have known about the really small club stuff. Like, not the noise, but the... The confetti and the team photo. Bit pathetic, but I know why they're doing it. Um, but for him to, yeah, storm in it and, and start talking about respect afterwards. I'm gonna, look, I'm going to take one step further. Show me a fan, a football fan, of any persuasion who wants respect. It's just not fun. No one wants respect. You want You want to milk your moment of glory as much as possible. I mean this is Manchester United we're talking about uh you know not arrogant just better we milked it for 20 years so are you using the word milk pointedly there because Edison
1: reportedly allegedly threw some milk at Jose Mourinho I
0: I mean the thing is this is why City are still a bit of a small club they'd have had that milk sponsored if they were United (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah
1: absolutely um the the aftermath of that was that Mikel Arteta went home with his head bleeding, which someone did some sort of serious damage. There was a brilliant tweet from I think it was Danny Taylor that the tweet said this was not handbags, there was an actual fight. It's like I mean, there's got to be a substantial portion of both fan bases who are absolutely delighted to hear that the teams are
0: fighting each other. <laughs> yeah good 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 i mean you know i think you, know, you should have shown some fight on the pitch to be honest um uh you know if, if one of our players has actually thrown an actual punch on the pitch maybe you could explain how pathetically cowardly we were in that game um you said that no one
1: wants respect no one in football wants respect but of course one person in football wants respect the man who said, when I was in Japan, I did admire the sumos because they win or lose, they do not show happiness. It's like, Mar- uh, Arsene Wenger wants football to be more like sumo
0: wrestling. He should become Everton manager then. He's got Wayne Rooney in the team. Oh, oh wow. Man, low blow. Wow. <laughs> oh.
1: Take that shot of Christmas sherry now, anyone playing the rank cast drinking game. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's just totally route 1 that was. Yeah. <laughs> it's another 2011 banter it.
0: Going to keep it I'm going to keep milking
1: it. <laughs> um so, uh back to the West Brom game. Um I thought that um Nemanja Matic was absolutely superb in that first half. Friend of the show Cal Gilg- Cal Gildart saying to me that he's uh he's low key one of United's um, best flat-track bullies, Nemanja Matic, because against inferior midfields, he can he kind of runs over them completely, and he definitely did in that first half, and it made me really excited for Pogba to be back, because Ander Herrera, again, was fine defensively, but honestly, it's just sad watching him. He plays the easy pass every time. Like, he didn't used to do that. No, I know. Okay. I think he's been coached out of him. But, uh, like, it's weird. You wouldn't think Mourinho would be the one to coach that out of him. It's Van Gaal-esque. It really is. Like, he looks, he so rarely, if he's, like, If his body shape is in any way facing our own goal rather than the opposition goal, you're not seeing the kind of head on a swivel, Paul Skull's kind of looking for opportunities to kind of turn and play the ball forward. He's laying the ball off to the fullback or even the centre-back or Matic so often. I'd love to see the numbers on this because maybe it's just confirmation bias, but it seems to me that he's doing that kind of three out of four times when he's got the ball.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think you're probably right. He um, he's become much more conservative and, and inward looking, and it's a problem when he's playing alongside Matic because uh, uh, you know not only do we not have a player breaking ahead of the ball, but there's not that much progressive passing coming from central midfield. You know, um, and it does mean that Matter becomes quite important. He has to tuck inside, especially when you have Lingard, because Lingard is you know, in the team. He's is not a classic number ten by any means. You know, he's in there to to cause damage through his running. Um, not through his passing. So um, it, it leaves United a little bit, you know, lopsided in terms of the shape, I think, when you have Herrera and Matic in there. It shouldn't be because Herrera, he's got all the skills to be that all-round player. Yeah. And he, in fact, was that all-round player. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he spent, he spent last year at number six and, and has no ability, it seems, to um, reinvent himself or go back to his past as a number eight.
1: And it's, um, it's just a, a huge shame and and such a strange thing. And now we've seen, you know, we had the whole time Pogba was injured and now we've had a three-game spell with Pogba suspended and, well, he played two out of those three games. You know, you talked about McTominay being in as a rotation option. There's a strong argument to say McTominay should just have been in that game on form. You know, maybe he against West Brom he wanted a bit more physical power. Um, and that's fair enough, but... Yeah, the the kind of mystery of Under Herrera looms and you know, I'm certainly not ready to I've seen loads of people are, you know, the kind of knee jerk thing of like, sell him, sell him, sell him. But I would I would no way advocate that because I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see a kind of um a blooming renaissance from Ander Herrera at some point. Um
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, if you if you believed the the knee-jerk sell him, sell him, sell him crowd. I don't think we'd have too many players left, would we? <laughs> no, uh, uh, Henrik McTarran definitely wouldn't be at United
1: anymore. Well, I <laughs> I wonder he, if he's going to he be might not much be. longer
0: anyway. Yep. Given given that the the, uh, the smoke is rising from Jose Mourinho's Palace at, at uh well the Lowry, um, and uh, basically everyone has been told that McTarran is available. Yep. Uh, which is remarkable. It'd be a, a remarkable
1: story of a, a flop, and you know i have seen a lot of different kinds of analysis of this. And one of them is that M- Mkhitaryan's not good enough, and I, I just don't buy it. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. I'm, you know, could definitely be wrong, but. I, I don't instinctively buy that based on what we've seen him do with the football. But to be fair, I didn't buy that about Kagawa either. And uh, people. Oh, have... Maybe we could swap him for Kagawa. <laughs> uh, get him back. He's doing all right, isn't he? A mixed, I think is the, is the story on Kagawa's post United Dortmund career. Um I thought matter was fine. Jesse Lingard was busy and exciting um and there was some nice link-up play with Lukaku and Rashford uh it's really interesting watching Rashford as compared to Martial because they they're such different players um even though they're sort of you know they they play the same role in United side but you see the way they address the ball and Rashford is is I guess more direct than Martial in the sense of he wants to get rid of the ball sooner a lot of the time um and he'll kind of shoot or put in these kind of Long far post crosses slash shots that you can't quite tell which is which, that that only work very occasionally. Whereas Marcial wants to front up to the player, and you know, even when he's got three players on him, he's trying to beat them all. Um, it's it's interesting that they're both excellent; they're just very different, and they're not interchangeable in the way that they're. You know, the team plays a bit differently with each of them in the in the side, so there is a. It's not just a straight swap, is it?
0: No, it's not just a straight Schwab. It's just not just a straight schwop. Schwop, schwop. <laughs> Uh No, you're right. It's not. and it, Which is one of the reasons why it's kind of frustrating that Mourinho's basically taken two very exciting young players and given the squad one. Mm. Which is what he's done. I mean, he played so, his both. it's not as if a 19-year-old, 20-year-old, however old, is flagging at the end of the game. So they need to substitute them out for, you know, fitness reasons. I mean, he, he, he has played them, but he played them both maybe
1: three games in a row or three games out of four, Newcastle, uh, Brighton, where it really didn't work. And then city. Um, So, you know, he he did have a little run with both of them in the side, but that's three games out of the season. A few people today sort of um, tweeting me about, um, well, you know, why doesn't Jose like Martial sort of thing? And I don't think there's much evidence of that. I don't think Martial is uh, out of favour because he didn't start a couple of games in a row, um, given that it's only one or the other of them in the squad. Like Martial had that position as his own for a bit and now Rashford in good form
0: was has, was on two in three, I think, in the in, before this game. Um, Wait, look, you know when a player is not in Jose's good books because he's on the bench with the under-12s. <laughs> yeah, he's just not in the squad at all.
1: Um, Lukaku, I want to talk a bit more about Lukaku. I thought he was good again today, decent again today, and he's on a really nice run now, three and four. The City game's in the middle of that, and that was obviously disastrous from his point of view. But I think... Generally speaking, I, I feel like a lot of the fuss is really, really excessive about Lukaku. He's, he's scored 15 goals already this season and it's not like, you know, Zlatan had scored a lot of goals last season and he missed so many big chances. Lukaku is not anywhere near that ballpark, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I guess that's a fair way of looking at it. And another way of looking at it is you United paid £75 million for this guy and it's Manchester United, so... We're kind of expecting the best of the best, and, and Lukaku has his limitations. Fortunately, there's a whole bunch of um, uh, of uh, flat tracks coming up for uh, you know on which Lukaku can bully some teams.
1: I mean, we're looking for the best of the best at United, right? Um, which, which is it's just kind of fair enough. I, I mean, there's not too many people that have scored more than Lukaku this season. Uh, no, in, no. in England and you know I we talked a lot about the big game thing and how much of that is him versus how much of it is Mourinho so I think it's a bit difficult and you know when the team plays to his strengths he scores goals and it's not like the team has to do something really diabolical to play to his strengths that means threw balls into the channels and crosses like that's, that's you can play some really nice football that way can't you you know
0: sure and in the past week he scored two cracking headers
1: yeah yeah so you know i don't know I, I know what you mean and 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 maybe i'm just doing the usual thing of being overly optimistic and overly supportive of the player but he just looks i just think he's a really good player and and he scored 15 goals and he scored three and four and i think he'll score a ton more this season and 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 people, I don't really know what people want him to be. I think mostly people just want him to be able to hold up the ball like he looks like he should be able to.
0: Yeah, uh, and I, I think um, we should be clear that uh, he is basically a fox in the box. Mm. So yeah, he's he's not good that good with the ball at his feet, and he's not that good, uh, at least you know in in certain areas like thirty yards from goal or whatever. And he, he's not that good. Um, in um, in with his back to the goal. So. But he's really good with the ball in front of him, with the goal, like, you know, going for goal. As long as, as long as it's on his left foot. So you bobbled one you, past the post today, didn't he? On his right. So you're pretty down in general on Lukaku. Then would you say that he's going to be at United in two seasons' time? Yeah, I'm sure. I think he will be. I mean, um, it's it's hard to. Yeah, it like United are generally not a club that brings in star players and just rotates them after two years. You know, a few, a few. I mean, Di Maria. Maria, obviously. Falcao, I
2: mean,
0: that was alone, yeah. but. Well, that's a loner anyway. Um, so the plan was always to rotate them after Shrine, a year, I guess. Shrine Steiger.
1: Yeah. Does, does Old. De Schneider, cap, Memphis to Pie.
0: There, there was a piece that Andy Mitten did this week saying, yeah. Uh, City basically, City are quite smug that they think their recruitment policy is uh, significantly better than United's. Hmm. Might be, might be true. Um, so yeah, well, look, I, I suspect he'll still be at United in a couple of years' time. I suspect he'll still score a lot of goals for United. Um, whether he can do it in the really big moments against the best teams in cup finals, you know, will we'll, yeah, he hasn't done the the first part of that. Yet, at United, nope. the big matches, we'll see,
1: hopefully. All right, here's my one last counter-argument on this, which is that actually, in the summer of 2017, £75 million is a completely reasonable amount to spend on a striker who's going to score 25 to 30 goals a season against the smaller clubs. That's, that's, that's my hot
0: take on this. Hmm. Yeah, but is that what United really need? So the the other way of putting that is Will United now go spend 90 to 100 million on a player that will win them the European Cup in the league. Yeah,
1: they just did it with Pogba, right? I think they might well do it again. I mean, this is not the... Given Antoine Griezmann's Twitter output tonight, this is not the time to be talking about that. But, you know, actually I saw a rumour earlier that he'd signed a pre-contract agreement with Barcelona, but whatever, you know. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if United are going to be in the market for you know, top, top, top level talent, whatever that means. And, you know, you said, is this what United really need? Well, when you compare where we're at this season with where we were at last season, get, get Zlatan fit, play him in all the games against the top six, play Lukaku in all the rest of the games. It totally works. You know, we've, scored a lot, we've won a lot of games this season that we didn't win last season against smaller clubs. And a big part of the reason is that Lukaku smashes goals in against
0: them. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, you know, look, we've seen this kind of argument a lot since City, that look at the progress. And it's true, you know, the United are eight points better off than last season, are scoring more goals, letting in less. Now, clearly, the second-best team in the country, you know, and uh, Lukaku might just be the second-best striker in the country. Yeah, after who? I'm not sure. I, I just thought it sounded good. <laughs> yeah. It's like
1: um, Harry Kane,
0: where do we put Jesus and Aguero? Yeah, so he's probably not yet. But, you know, he can aspire to be the second best. Yeah, sure. Um,
1: I mean, I think it's absolutely inarguable that United have made significant progress in the last two seasons. I mean, it's inarguable. This This is, I was thinking about that today. This is so obviously, by so far and away the best United side since Ferguson retired, it's not even, that's not even a conversation to have. You know, it's, it's completely obvious. It's just, it's not as good as any of the teams that, you know, in the last 20 years of Alex Ferguson, well, probably actually it's better than the Jemba Jemba team in it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not the level it needs to be, but it's clearly better than it's been at any point since Fergie.
0: Sure. Undeniable. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we have a great city side. Uh, a few miles down the road, yeah, um, and a manager who's a total, total pussy when it comes to the big games. <sighs> Talking of things you probably shouldn't say in social media,
1: I mean, it's it's definitely a shame. It is definitely a shame that Mourinho is the way he is, and and you know the argument that I think we've talked about a lot on this podcast so far this season. There's always been an argument that Mourinho is a pragmatic manager. This season, the pragmatic thing to do was attack in the big games because a draw is no good because City are going to get an absolutely ridiculous number of points.
0: <sighs> anyway. Yeah, and unless um, Mourinho was asked at one of his press conferences, maybe before the game, you know, do you just, just focus on yourself now because City are gone? And he was basically like, yes. You know, unfortunately, that seems to have been the case for some time with Mourinho. Point five XG, by the way, today.
1: Point five.
0: So United. Point point five. Uh, yeah, that's this you see, this
1: feels like one of those games where XG doesn't really tell the full story because XG only measures expected goals from shots actually taken, and there was a, there were a lot of like
0: things that nearly resulted in big chances. Oh, n- nearly. I mean, United you know, probably controlled the game, did they? Is it very Louis this is <laughs> Well, they did play the ball sideways for ninety-five minutes in the first half. They did, but they
1: weren't. It wasn't like in the first half. It wasn't like they weren't progressive and dynamic. You know, I also think interest. One of the things that I would I would say is a a real knock against XG being the only measure of performance is that the order in which goals are scored really affects it, and the time at which goals are scored because United. ridiculous complacency in the second half of that game was definitely a function of the fact that they were 2-0 up.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone would use it as the only measure of performance, but it, it's certainly one. Yes. All right, yeah. should we do some questions?
1: Let's do it. At footy underscore underscore fan says, would you swap Ozil for Mickey in the January transfer window?
0: One flaky number 10 who's sometimes creative when he wants to be uh and when he feels like he's on it for another flaky number 10 who's sometimes creative when he wants to be think and I say, when he's on it think i say this every time this conversation comes up
1: and we were just talking about numbers ozil's numbers are way better than anyone would think yeah they you know I, and Mourinho and ozil have had an excellent relationship in the past
0: which those in- numbers have been great throughout his career yeah He puts up very good numbers. He creates a lot of chances and a lot of goals. Yeah. So I think for me,
1: the short answer to that question is yes. The long answer to that question is yes, because Jose Mourinho is our manager. And if Mourinho wants to swap Ozil for Mkhitaryan, then, you know, it's a kind of like, uh, it's like when we signed Matic. Matic is not the player in the world who I would have said, oh yeah, we must get him to improve our midfield. But if Mourinho wants him, When it comes to signing players he's already worked with for the current squad that he's working with, I feel like Mourinho is very good at knowing who's going to work and who isn't. Uh, At Shark Hamlet says, is the lack of sporting director holding back the club and wouldn't it be a sensible strategy for dealing with the inevitable Mourinho implosion?
0: Yeah, well, it's not going to happen under Mourinho. Um, I I don't think they're going to impose it on Mourinho and, and basically the club have decided that's not the model they want. Um, I think I think it does create a very interesting dynamic at United. I mean, you've gone from a world in which you know Ferguson's model worked because he had his own network, um, and over the years he delegated more and more as United grew, and talks about a lot, and he's you know gone and kind of lectured at Harvard about it or whatever, um, and and it worked for United then, and as soon as he retired, it looked completely anachronistic, and it looked like the club was out of date, um, and and. The club was right because look at that totally disastrous summer, um, post Ferguson, where they managed to sign Maran Fellaini for well, four million over his actual price and 27 million over his actual price. <laughs> um, and and it wasn't until United got into bed with um, first Jorge Mendes and then Rayola that they started signing some players, you know. But and, and I think that's why you know, come back to Andy Mitten's piece about. City believing they have a much better st- structure or mm-hmm. recruitment policy. And they are probably right, and he's probably right. You know, they've got that kind of um, structure in place. Uh, and and rightly or wrongly, they've used the international market and all their feeder clubs and all their the City football group to impose that right across a number of clubs, and they're just going to scale up the model. Um, and we've talked on this, this podcast in the past about Southampton's model or Swansea's model, It's, of course, the model used at Barcelona and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and every other club in Europe. So you know, United at this moment are the left field club um, by uh, employing a sort of managerial, I was going to say slash agent model because it's not really Ed Woodward, is it, that's doing the recruitment at the moment. So Mm. we'll see. I don't think it'll come in while Jose's in place. Maybe they do it afterwards. Maybe they just like the the small group decision making that they can do but you know we heard all those stories from big dunk not long ago that united was pretty bureaucratic and i know if you're going to be bureaucratic when you're supposed to be making quick decisions because you haven't got this kind of structured model in place maybe it's not working for them
1: yes it's a it's a, a question which is um more complicated I think than it appears on the surface because the thing about appointing a sporting director is it's of course absolutely no guarantee of success because it's such a vital recruitment exercise like you have to pick the right one otherwise you're in real trouble because you put yourself in hock to the wrong kind of sporting director and then your transfer policy is a mess, your managerial recruitment's a, re- a mess, the kind of sporting director-head coach relationship becomes so important to the success of the club and the sustainable success of the club. So, you know, it's a, it's a difficult question. Of course, the the, fir- the first question after, should we appoint one, is as big a question, and it's who.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know. Me neither. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm not... Necessarily advocating that's the way United should definitely go. They've got to f- find a model that's right for the club, but it's definitely left field compared to the rest of Europe and the rest of the elite clubs in Europe. Yeah, um, and of, of, of course the um, um, uh, Mochi Monchi, <laughs> um who's at Atletico for so many years, and was rumoured to, you know, potentially be a target for United ended up at Roma. Um, so perhaps he's not the uh, not available anymore. Um, You know, uh, Bayern have a different model. They bring through uh, ex-players. I'm I'm not sure there's too many United ex-players would go into that role. Um, Although, of course, they brought Nicky Butt into a similar role, but for the academy. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could imagine, I don't know, Michael Carrick
1: learning that job or Darren Fletcher or someone like that. You know, one of the intelligent midfielders of United's past. Um, At Chris underscore 316 says... If United get to the cup final, will Ed be he- heading to Wembley or working as the world's greatest super spy at the Royal Wedding? Yeah, Ed, will he be uh, having to watch out for foreign, you know, dignitaries posing as, uh, you know, foreign assassins posing as dignitaries and stuff that day or will he have the day off and get the cup final?
0: Little of May, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think I have any uh, international assignments around that time, so I, I think I'll get for the cup final, don't you? Yeah. Good. Um, okay. Instead of
1: an attacker says at M underscore Haynes O five, uh, which we have a number of. Should we buy a high quality proven centre back in January? Our defence has its shaky moments, and with the vast number of centre backs we have, don't have a standout world class one other than possibly Bay, who is
0: who's injured for really the next three months. By the looks like yeah, and, yeah. That, and ankle injuries are a bugger because sometimes they don't heal well. And um. and that. That puts him now two
1: seasons at United, major injuries in both, which is puts him into the standard United centre back bracket of broken all the time, which is a real problem because Smalling is the only one out of all of them that isn't broken all the time, and sometimes he's broken in the head.
0: (laughs) Uh, Lindelof's not broken. No,
1: that's true. Yet physically, he's fine. (laughs) He's done well actually. He's kind of grown back in. He's like you know, he seems to be doing well when he plays.
0: Now, which yeah, is nice. yeah, he's had a couple of good performances uh, Not in the team today um, Which will tell you where his status is at the club still But yeah, um, he's he's done alright when he's coming uh, To answer the question, well I guess so I mean if you could actually find um, a you know, really top centre-back Who's going to improve um, United there Then yeah, sure, but you don't need 18 centre-backs So someone's got to go The... Uh... The positions that I think are most upgradable at United
1: right now are both fullback spots. Because I think if you had really superb fullbacks on both sides, United would be just a much, much better team. Uh at Iron Bruiser says, Which member of the animal kingdom does our midfield require? That's an interesting question. I wonder whether this is a reference to the fact that our strike force has a lion in it. Um we could do with a sort of a fox type i think in the middle we want someone with a bit of cunning and guile and invention i would say maybe an owl maybe a wise old owl with his head on a swivel i i just no nah, whatever we need roy keene like these... what kind of animal <laughs> is he i don't know he's like four different sorts of animal all melded into one uh regular provider of the best questions on the rank cast at big shimmery wall says are the 364 Cantinars gifted over the 12 days all Eric or Eric clones or are the majority miscellaneous Cantinars like Jacques Cantinar or Susan Cantonar that are cheap filler presents are some of the other Eric's just random guys called Eric Cantonar even I'm pretty sure that every one of them has to be Eric Cantonar, otherwise the song just doesn't work yeah. Um, I, I agree. On Twitter, Richard Osman, the tweeest man alive, uh, has done a World Cup of um, Christmas songs and Fairy Tale of New York one. He loves won. doing
0: this World Cup of something. Loves he? them.
1: Absolutely loves them. And, and Fairy Tale of New York one, which is a fair result. But of yeah. course, the real answer to what the best Christmas song is, is it's 12 Cantonars. That's clearly, clearly the, um, the truth. That's a grime version of that, never been released. No, I don't know what you do to make that more grime, to be honest. All right, this With is... some
0: bells, obviously.
1: <laughs> we will avoid spoilers at all costs here, but at Joey M underscore UX says, Thoughts on The Last Jedi? I thought it was a great movie on its own, but felt really let down as a Star Wars movie. Just my opinion. Would love to hear yours. I, I proper loved it as a Star Wars movie. I just... I just... It... The, it's the only time since the original trilogy that, apart from Rogue One, where I've gone into a Star Wars movie and just been in it from beginning to end. Like I just, I was, I was on the journey with the characters. I ended up kind of loving the the new characters, and I thought
0: the old characters were very well served. And and it's also a really good movie. It is, and uh, in fact, the question is is kind of right because it does stand alone as a movie. Yeah. You, yeah. Um, but it is part of the trilogy. Is it trilogy? It's I mean, a, you know. There's, gonna, but there's nine of them. Yeah, it's going to be nine. Um,
1: whatever that is.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, too much for my brain to work out. <laughs> uh, and yeah, there are some things I I have a problem with with it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, uh, as did my four year old, who was insanely excited Um, (laughs) and (laughs) just off the scale um, and was riveted to it for all two hours and 31 minutes. So, yeah, it was, I mean, it's it's great fun, fully enjoyed it. Go see it. Go see on the biggest screen you can go see it on. Yeah. It's not perfect. There are definitely some plot things that don't make sense or could have been filled in um but hey you know this is a bit like uh it's a bit like getting Mourinho after David Moyes you know with the the three prequels I'd accept anything (laughs) now yes um
1: okay at Trotsky Grip says in a recent presser Jose said I'm not paid to come here and make any comments or to ask for something from the fans do you think that was exactly what he was told by the people upstairs? Seems like a weird choice of words otherwise. I I chose this question really just to say I'm pretty sure Jose Mourinho has never spoken words in a press conference he was asked to say by people upstairs, basically.
0: Not a chance. <laughs> um, and, and if he was, he would come out with something a bit sarcastic about it. Yeah, uh, interesting because he has actually talked about the fans, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. Since he's been here, you know, he talked about the support and the noise and... Um, The big fuss about uh, the reaction to Lukaku or, in fact, the Anthony Martial Rashford substitution, which was apparently a projection of United fans' feelings about Lukaku. So, yeah, a little odd, this one.
1: Yeah, Uh, but Jose Mourinho's entire tenure at United in terms of things he said in public have been a little odd. At maz underscore man underscore utd friend of the show says I think Sir Alex Ferguson make decisions based on what is good for the club usually Phil Mourinho make decisions based on what is good for him or am I used to Sir Alex of years ago got the job with no fear to tarnish his reputation I mean I think there's a very strong
0: argument to say that Alex Ferguson made a lot of decisions at United based on what was good for him yeah I'm just not having that one Sorry, is uh, look. I there are many, many things about Mourinho I don't like. There there are times during the second half today, I hate him because he's everything I just didn't want. Um, but, you know, and we've talked about this before, but l- are we going to pretend that Ferguson, uh, was some um, you know kind of saint who didn't think about himself? He sold the club down the river for the, you know a cup of horse spunk, please. He, he thought about himself more than anything. He threatened to walk away the from the club for money, you know. So, Ferguson did great things to this club. Uh, it was also all about him all of the time. He talked about that in retirement, about total control. Um, Mourinho is much the same way. You know, it, it, it is about him and his ego is off the charts, um, which isn't always great for the club. But maybe, maybe we need a little bit of that as well. Uh, Because look what happens when your ego is tiny, like David Moyes. Doing a bang-up job at West
1: Ham. I cannot wait for the wheels to come off that in spectacular fashion. Oh, dear. Um, At Rory Murph1 says, What seven things about Mourinho bother you the most? And it's the seven players he puts behind the ball every time the opposition have got the ball in a big game. Uh, The minimum of seven players. At Jay Bonzer, friend of the show, says, Sitting in the Leicester end next weekend, any tips on how to get away with not with cheering madly when United score? Yet yeah, don't. Do not cheer madly when United score. Politely clap when Leicester score and look disgruntled when United score. These are the 21st century rules, unfortunately.
0: In the glory days when it was so much easier to get a pile of tickets, you could be pretty sure somewhere like Leicester, that if you were in the home end... Uh, and united scored everyone would jump up <laughs> it's not the way anymore is it sadly so
1: sadly um at vikash patel 94 asks uh, a question to me because today was the last game that i'm a- i attended as a football writer i've retired from football writing uh the podcast will of course carry on um but this is this is now the only thing i do in football which is which is awesome um Uh, Vikash says what was your favorite game that you attended be it press box or in the stands during the four years covering United and I can answer that game that question so 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 easily because it was the semi-final of the FA Cup uh, with the late Martial winner and just the incredible atmosphere around Wembley after that that was in the stands my favorite Um, in the press box would probably be Wembley again uh for the league cup final just because it was it was cool to you know cover a cup final uh from a kind of press standpoint so yeah but it's been a lot of fun and I'm absolutely delighted it's uh finished now <laughs> i can move on to doing things that i actually care about it gives you a top 10 moments <laughs> <laughs> never again. I might start doing a listicle series after like six months. I might start doing a listicle series for United. Run. Right? I'm not going to do that. Do it. Do it. I'm not, do, it I'm not... do it.
0: We never have a listicles, no. and we never. I think we did once where we
1: had 50 things. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. that's, that's you going absolutely banana Was that Moyes? The 50 things that David Moyes has got wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a... I reckon that's th- that's the old team. That's the oldest fates. It's one of the great blog posts of all time, in my opinion uh right uh that'll do for questions lots of other questions about stuff we've already covered today thanks to everyone who asked us questions and uh, we'll of course do some more next time we speak we're gonna have a break a little break so it's gonna be like a week and a half to the next podcast because of the way the christmas schedule works we're gonna record on the 27th i think is our plan that's when we're aiming to do our next podcast but before that there's a bunch of games to preview because that's why we're having a little break from podcasting for a week and a half. So we've got to preview: Bristol, Leicester and Burnley. Ed, what do you know about Bristol City?
0: Is it Bristol City? I thought there was only one Bristol. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, kidding before all three of you send me hate mail. Uh, <laughs> ouch. Um, they're doing very well. They're They're flying high in the championship. And Ashton Gate, which has always been a a big ground and uh, with a big crowd there, will be packed to the rafters for United's trip there and I'm sure there'll be a a great atmosphere with a team that's playing super well at the moment. It's... um... It's going to be fun. I mean, Mourinho said today that he wasn't. He was going to make a
1: few changes, not that many changes, because he said Bristol City are doing very well in the Championship, and it's not a Championship which is like it used to be. Is basically what he was saying that the Championship, the standard in the Championship, is a lot closer to the bottom of the Premier League than than it used to be. And I think that that you look at the the teams that have come up, there is a pretty solid argument to say that the sort of top third of the Championship and the bottom third of the Premier League are very similar in quality at the moment. So, I don't know, obviously it's United are heavy favourites for this tie, especially over two legs. But there's a couple of things working against them. mean, the fact that we, you know, we play there on Wednesday night. So that is, you know, another quick turnaround after what was already a quick turnaround. Um, And then there's another, and there's a Premier League game two days later uh, on the Saturday,
0: three days later. I'm sure Mourinho will make changes, I'm sure. I mean, it, it might not be 10 or 11 changes, but it may well be six or seven. Did I say it was over two legs? That's nonsense, of course. This is yeah, not, it's the, not, this this is not legs, the semi-final. Yeah. No, no. But, I mean, yeah, it's a really busy December. Lots of games coming. This is the least important of all those games. Sorry, Bristol. Uh, but it is. There will definitely be changes. But he hasn't played the kids in any game. You know, he's he's not um he's not turned out four or five kids uh like you know like used to be the case when um the league cup didn't matter because we were winning the league all the time <laughs> i mean no it matters that, that brings me there's a very interesting thing that you said that you said out of these
1: three games this is the least important game isn't this the most important game out of the next three given that we're not going to win the league this season isn't it more important that we beat
0: bristol than we beat leicester or burnley no. Are you are you sure United's gonna finish in top four? Because <laughs> um if if the wheels come off and, and uh United switch off in the second half of the season, it's not guaranteed. You know, there's there's what, a six point gap to fourth or something like that oh, at yeah. the moment? I guess so. Something yeah, it's it's not much. Um and uh you can make plenty of arguments for Arsenal Spurs or Liverpool, um, all getting on a run. So um until until United have increased that points gap to ten points or so I don't think it's acceptable to switch off. There is no Europa League to save United's Champions League uh, position next season. So that's still the number one priority. Um still sounding a bit arsenal this Oh isn't yeah. It? Trophies are definitely important and it'll be very, very important if United is still in it in the second leg of the semi final. Yeah, okay. Until then. Okay. It's yeah, not. I'll take it. I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh what do you think United's lineup will be? I think we might see Romero in goal. For sure Romero. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean Valencia's injured, so he won't play. So uh maybe Twin Zabby will come in at right back. Maybe Young switches over, maybe Smalling plays there. I mean No Damian still exists. And, oh, he exists. That's true, he exists. When's the last time he actually played? Uh dunno, but whenever
1: it was, it was at left back.
0: <laughs> um him Sure. Yeah. So, certainly going to get yeah. a game. McTominay um, will probably get a game. Pogba um would be nice to see Trent's AB get a game. I just
1: want to see Pogba Ed. That's all I care about now. Just I feel like we've really been denied our like the fix of Paul Pogba that we were supposed to have had by this point in the season. There's just will he definitely play? I mean, I'm sure I you know, he's he's had such a long break on the back of a long break. I, I'm I'm sure. He'll, I'm not sure, but I imagine he'll play. Given, especially given the paucity of other options, because you know, I, I kind of think we need him in this game. <laughs> like, I know we're not supposed to, but I, I, I would feel a lot more confident with Pogba in the team than without.
0: That's for sure. Absolutely up front. I mean, is this the game Ibra starts? No, he's not. He's not so, ready. On, he's... on the bench again today. Got no minutes. No not played a lot has he since he came back he's not. he came um, back too early he was
1: not ready like it's just really evident he just he's lost so much speed and he didn't have much to lose in the first place he's he his movement is still looking when he's played it still looked really laboured he he need he should have just waited another month and not tried to prove to everyone that he was a lion instead of a man you know um yeah, but lions don't do that, no, do they? That's true. Uh Mikatarian Marino was asked whether he'd play Mikatarian and he said it's possible. He didn't sound very convinced by how possible he thought it was.
0: <laughs> no, I think is the yeah.
1: answer. Uh so yeah, I guess I guess that some some version of that. I wonder whether Lukaku might get arrest because there's a strong argument that well, he needs he deserves one.
0: one and and of course United've got two very good options in Rashford and, and Martial who can both play. Yeah. So, you know, presumably Rashford and Martial starts as well. Um and I think that would be about right. Yep, absolutely, which then takes us to well, I was about to say the resurgent Leicester
1: but they um they had a rough one this weekend, didn't they? They they've I mean Claude Puel I thought was an absolutely terrible appointment and in classic I don't know anything about football news. He has masterminded an eight-game undefeated run or something and, and they absolutely battered whoever it was they played last week. Um, I can't remember who. That's it. But then Palace Palace beat them at home on uh, this weekend.
0: One up for uh, British managers there. Way, <laughs> oh, <hey. laughs> Sticking it to the French. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, Look, P- Puel has has done a good job turning Leicester around, hasn't he? And uh, the criticism of him at Southampton was that he was very conservative, played this boring style of football, and which was, you know, deliciously ironic when they stuck four past Southampton uh, at Saint Mary's last week. Um, so you, you'd expect like bad day today uh, for sure, and they were they were down by plenty early in that game, weren't yeah. they? Um, so bad day today, and they had a man sent off, and you know, plenty, plenty of mitigating circumstances wiped that away. And it should be a tough game for United next week because they definitely, they're definitely on an upward sort of uh, trajectory at the moment. I wonder whether, well, what I would imagine is
1: that either against Bristol or Leicester or Burnley. We're going to come a cropper. I don't know which one it is, but it feels like a lot to ask for game, two-day gap, game, two-day gap, game for United to be good in all of those
0: games. Yes, but we don't come a cropper against crappy sides too often. Just Huddersfield. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, um, it doesn't... And look, not to be too... It could be the end of the world-ish about this, but it's a really important period because that thing I said about, you know, now mentally the title is gone, and maybe it had gone already, I don't know, but but United are not going to claw 11 points back on this City side, um, and it's more likely United will lose another 11 points to City over the second half of the season or maybe even more and and that kind of mental thing, lose one of these games over Christmas and it's 14 points or 17 points um, and all of a sudden you're looking backwards to fourth um, and not forwards and up and that could have a really big influence on United's momentum and style of play and outlook for the next few months. Yeah, so it's very important
1: um, uh, to maintain that momentum. But I I suppose maybe you would say that the one where they might be most likely to come a cropper is Burnley, given what an absolutely unbelievable season they're, happen- they're having this season and and one of the places where they've done very well is on the road burnley's away record was a was a kind of joke last season that they were almost impossible to beat at home we were one of the very few sides that did it um but they they struggled to get many points at all away from home in fact we were one of the few places they did get some points away from home but this season they've been much better on the road um and they play this kind of this remarkable style of football where their defensive line is so deep it just shouldn't work but it's working over and over and over again um for them this season so this is this is a big ask especially off the back of what is likely to be pretty tricky game against Leicester because Leicester have got so many attacking weapons when Riyad Mahrez is playing well again Vardy scoring a few you know they're, they're they could definitely hurt United on the break. And if United kind of go into the Burnley game with their confidence rocked, that could be pretty rough.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, yes. And and I guess uh, United haven't struggled in this kind of game nearly as much as they did last season. You know, teams that are good defensively uh, and and uh, uh, don't have too many ambitions. And this it is the way Burnley play now. Very sound at the back. You know, they've got a good keeper, good centre-backs in Tarkovsky and me, um, and Long uh, when he plays, obviously, ex-United player in Bardsley. A um, uh, couple of, you know, holding players, DeFore and Cork in midfield, give them a, you know, really solid solid defensive base. Um, and and they work with what they've got, you know, and I think that's fine. And, uh and uh, Hendrik, sort of, you know, he's a all energy player in midfield. He's the one who sort of tries to make the link with the attack. Um, and and in Sean Dyson, they've got a manager who knows exactly what he's getting out of these players. Um, it's interesting. He basically turned down the Everton job. Is it is it because he 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 didn't have the confidence to take on that job? Or he's waiting for an even bigger job, and he's actually got even more confidence. You know, it's because um, you feel like he's destined for big things. Um, and he definitely needs to make another step because he's not going to go from burnley to to manchester united is he um he's going to have to make another step if he's got real ambitions in the game and you kind of feel he probably does do and the other thing i like about Sean dice is he's um he understands football you know and uh, uh i don't mean in the he's a football manager in the he kind of gets fan culture he's worried about the um the future of the game he's uh he's worried about the direction that it's taking in terms of commercialization and forgetting its roots uh, and the place football club has in the community um great interview with him in the times over the weekend uh and i can't i yeah you know, i like him he's uh he's uh, he's a uh, seems like a good guy as well as having built a good game a uh, good team
1: it's interesting that you say that he's destined for great things or big things i think you said um that that'll be really interesting to see whether he can make the transition out of doing so well at doing what he's doing currently. Cause it's the sort of reverse Guardiola thing, isn't it? That Guardiola couldn't do what he's doing with Burnley squad. And that's fine. Cause he's a brilliant manager of elite players, but Burnley and Sean Dyche is he, would he be able to be a brilliant manager of elite players? It's it's such a difficult. Yeah, thing. No,
0: no idea. I mean, it's kind of, kind of saying he, he's, and I'm sure that question would be on the the lips of every you know billionaire owner of the elite clubs. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure he wouldn't get one of those jobs, but he would get a job at Everton. Yeah, yeah. he might get a job at Spurs. Yeah, and. You know, that, that kind of level. And uh, so it's interesting that he basically didn't want to take this Everton job.
1: I wonder whether that's because he felt like it was, you know, there's an, a relatively new owner at Everton and maybe it's a little bit of a hiding to nothing to an extent. I know it's, a, it's, a interesting, it's an interesting dilemma. Uh, for for someone in Dyche's position. But I think it's going to be... I think, in, you know, Burnley really will park the bus against United. And like you say, we've struggled less with that. And, you know, we should have won the game against Burnley at Old Trafford last season. The chances that, that were missed in that game, people remember Tom Heaton's performance, but I think he made one good save in that whole game. Um, United mm. missed some really big chances and knocked their shots at Heaton far too often. Uh, a bit better finishing if the pattern of play is anything like it was in that game and we'll be uh, we we'll absolutely fine but i think by then you know the, t- the team could be really tired it's going to be it's going to be grueling the next th- 3 weeks in which we play an absolutely
0: ridiculous number of games so you know yeah bristol Leicester, burnley southampton all before the end of uh, the end of the year and then everton a couple of days after that and then the cup game yeah, so
1: it's going to be it's going to be a tough run uh, I guess, given that it is traditional, we have to do predictions, even though predicting a game three games out seems even more utterly ridiculous than all the predictions we normally do. Um, but let's do it. What, what do you reckon the scores will be in all three of these games, Ed?
0: Win at Bristol, yeah. Score? Uh, let's call it um, three-one. <laughs> Don't know why. Um, draw at Leicester. Oh, okay. We call it one-all. Okay. Uh, And victory over Burnley, let's call that 1-0. Okay. I'm going to go with
1: 2-0 against Bristol. And uh, I don't want to do it, but I think we might slip up at Leicester. Listen, I'm going to predict the result. I think it's going to be not the one I want it to be. I think that might be a 1-2 or 2-1 to Leicester. Ouch. And then, yeah, 1-0 against Burnley sounds about right. Huh. All right. Well, uh, that was a long podcast with a lot of games to talk about and uh, we'll be back with another one after the Burnley game, which is uh, the Burnley game's Boxing Day. We're going to record the next day and uh, the podcast will be ready whenever Tom can get it to you. In the meantime... Um...
0: After 4-0, four, 3-4-0 four wins to United, <laughs> 12 goals for Lukaku... <laughs> <laughs> nah. sounds good
1: sounds really good in the meantime uh very happy hanukkah to people celebrating an extremely merry christmas and if there's a festival that i've missed that i'm not aware of enjoy that one too but if you uh, if you celebrate well obviously all the jedis are celebrating this week. Yeah, clearly um but yeah have a lovely christmas if you're if you're celebrating that um i hope it's very peaceful and pleasant and uh we will see you after that See you soon. The RankCast is produced by Tom Jenkins and supported by listeners like you. Head to patreon.com slash rankcast to find out more.